0: Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Father, we pray right now for the millions and millions of believers all over the world that are living under persecution. We pray for their safety We pray for their health. We pray for their strength. Father, I know somewhere in the world there is a daddy who's praying for the safety of his family because they're followers of Christ. There's a mama who's praying for her children simply because they are followers of Christ. There's a little boy or a little girl somewhere in the world that's praying that their parents aren't killed tomorrow as they go to work because they're followers of Christ. Father, we have no idea what that world is like, but I pray in, in your sovereignty and in your power, Father, you would give us, even within our spirit, just a little glimpse of that, Lord, to understand what these people go through. or just to sense their suffering, Lord, and, and just to, if nothing else, were to have a burden to spend more time in prayer for them. Just have a burden to spend more time thinking about them, Father, and, and, and trying to figure out everything we can do to help them, whatever that means for us individually and as a church. Father, we know that You've called us to this place. We know that You've called us as followers of Jesus Christ to do things for You. You've sent us into the world, Lord. Just help us to understand exactly what You'd have us to do. And may we never forget, Lord, may we never forget the power of prayer. So You strengthen these believers. You protect these believers you do incredible things in their lives, but above and beyond all that, Father, I pray that as they live, they would bring you honor and glory. And even as they die, they would bring you honor and glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter... Paul is going to talk this morning to us about hardship. He's going to help us understand difficulty. But he's going to show us that even in the midst of great difficulty, even in the midst of great suffering, the Lord is present and the Lord is active and the Lord is powerful. And so I'm going to read this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 4 beginning in verse 7. Second Corinthians chapter 4 beginning in verse 7, the words of Paul. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. you. There are several truths I want to think about this morning, and the first is very simple and very clear, but very incredible and difficult sometimes for us to understand. Here's truth number one. The gospel that the Lord has given to us is a treasure held in jars of clay. Paul says the gospel is a treasure, and that treasure is held in jars of clay now when we think about treasure certain things come to our mind right if you are a boy under the age of 12 when i say treasure you think about pirates and wooden boxes and coins of gold don't you right and maybe if you're a man a little bit older you think about the same thing right where's that treasure map if i could just get my hands on that treasure map we think about treasure don't we Maybe you've kind of moved beyond material things and you begin to recognize treasure is other things in life. Maybe it's not just about money to you anymore. Maybe you find treasure in your family. Your family's a treasure. It's a gift from God. Maybe you find treasure in your health. Maybe you're healthy this morning and you treasure that. Maybe you find treasure in your church and the followers of Christ that you surround yourself with, people in your Sunday school room. You know, treasure doesn't always have to be about money. When we were at New Day, one of the things I loved about New Day Orphanage in Africa is that the, the, the orphanage itself would hire people from the bush to give them a salary just to give them a job. And so every day they'd have these day workers that would come in, 15 or 20 people, and in order to work each day they had a very neat policy. You had to show up for devotions at 7.30 in the morning. If you weren't there for devotions, you didn't work, and they followed it. It's every morning around the devotional area, the shelter, those of you who've been there before. We would sit around the devotion at the time with 15 or 20 men and women. We'd share the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'd sing praise songs together. But then these people, once the devotion was over, they would go into all parts of the orphanage, and they would work. Some would dig ditches. Some would do construction. Some worked in the kitchen. And then some would go down to the missionary houses where the missionaries lived, and they would work in the yard, and some would actually clean inside the house. And so while we were there staying in the Wilcox house, we had a lady named Irene who would come and help us. Sweet little lady. Precious, hard working lady. They paid her what most of us would make in just a few minutes of our job. They paid her that a day, you said that's not fair. It was a fair wage for her. She made really good money, was happy to get it. But while we were there living in that house, we had to cook our own food and that was an interesting experience for Amy and I. You go to the market once a week and they told us before you got to Zambia they have all the food that you want or some of the food you want. It's just different food. so they have milk it's just a little different than the milk you're used to they have cereal it's just a little different they have bread but it's different kind of bread they have meat but it's different and that was our experience they had these things but they were very different and the thing that we noticed about a lot of this food is because it wasn't processed it would go bad pretty quickly and so we'd have a, a, you know, a, a liter or a couple liters of milk and after a couple of days if we didn't drink it I would start going bad and we were talking to the missionaries about this and we said, you know, we get this food and we, we're going to throw it out because it's not bad. No, 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 no. Don't throw any of your food out, they said. The people that are working at your house, Irene especially, why don't you give her the food? And we said, but the, the milk is old. I mean, it's, it's, it really, now. we kind of, you know, sometimes milk gets bad and you push it to the back and you forget about it, right? It had been there for a few days and it, it kind of started, started having some chunks in it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and we said, we'll just throw it out. We don't want to give her that milk. No, 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 you don't understand, they said. When you, when you give her this milk and she, she serves it to her children, because it's got substance, they feel like they're eating something, not just drinking it. That's what they told us. And so we took this milk and this bread that you and I would discard in a heartbeat and never think twice about it and we handed it to this precious little lady and she grabbed my wife and she squeezed her and hugged her and rocked back and forth and thanked her over and over and over for this treasure that we had given her. Treasure isn't always about money, is it? See, Paul tells us that we've been given this treasure in verse 7. And you say, well, what sort of a treasure are you talking about here, Paul? Because we know it doesn't have to necessarily be money. It can be other things. It's really just something that we place value in. What sort of treasure are you talking about? Paul's given us the answer in verse 6. Look back one verse with me, if you would, in chapter 4. Paul says, for God who said let light shine out of darkness made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Paul says, our treasure is that we can know and see the glory of the Lord through the face of Christ. That's our treasure. Paul says we mistake sometimes thinking treasures about money or possessions or things. Paul says the greatest treasure in the world is that you can experience the glory of the Lord through Christ. Now if you were to spend some time studying through the Bible, you would understand that the glory of the Lord is found really from the beginning to the end. You can see very clearly the glory of the Lord in His creation. You see the glory of the Lord in His calling as He sends person after person after person all through Scripture to do the work of the Lord. You can see His glory there. You can see His glory through His love and the provision of the children of Israel. You can see His glory as He directed the kings and the leaders all through the Old Testament. On and on the list goes. But nowhere is the glory of the Lord more evident than in the grace we receive through Christ Jesus. You say, why is that treasure so much more valuable than all the others? Because it's eternal. (laughs) It's going to last when everything else blows away. You see, Jesus Christ offers us a treasure that's hope. Jesus Christ offers us a treasure that's joy. Jesus Christ offers us a treasure that's peace. Had the opportunity last week to have a just an incredible conversation with with a precious lady who's who's struggling with some things, and she wanted to come in and have prayer. So she came in, and and I kind of knew what she was going through, and she kind of led me down the path of some of the details. And I just watched her, and I just expected her to be so upset about all she was going through, but she sat there so calm and so composed. And I commented, I said, "How are you able to sit there like this, so?" with it and having it so together and she said I've just got this peace that I can't understand and I was reminded of Philippians 4 and 6 don't be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God watch this that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus you, know how, you, know, you want to know why Christ is the greatest treasure? Because he's going to offer you peace regardless of circumstance. He's going to offer you peace regardless of the path you're walking down. He's going to offer you hope no matter where you are in life. Our time in India was, was amazing last year. I've talked a lot about that. We're going to continue to go. And, and by the way, you should be praying about that. Maybe the Lord's calling you to go to South Asia. Maybe it was calling you to send somebody to South Asia, but the thing that I couldn't get out of my mind and my heart as we talked to these believers is over and over and over, they told me the story of peace. They said, I grew up in a Hindu home and I, I looked for peace and I asked for peace and I searched for peace and I never found it until I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And when I finally accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, I had peace unknown to me. I had peace like I had never... Experienced. Paul says, You've got this incredible treasure. But then he does something very interesting in the second part of verse 7. Look at it again. If you would bring that back up, please, Wanda. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, We have this treasure, right? So we've kind of talked about it and we understand a little bit now more about what the treasure is, but we have this treasure in fortified locations, so no one can ever steal it, right? That's what the scripture says. Paul says we have this treasure in jars of clay. (laughs) You know what's significant about a jar of clay? It's very fragile, isn't it? It's easy to break. If you want to take something out of a jar made of clay, you simply break the jar and take it. Paul says, we've been given this treasure, the greatest treasure in the history of the world, and the Lord has chosen to place it in jars of clay. Now, he's making a reference to us. You understand that, right? Earthen vessels. God said, I've taken my treasure, the glory of the Lord through Christ, and I've placed it within the believer, within the heart of the believer, within a person that I know is going to make mistakes and be sinful. Within the heart of a person who I know at some point is probably going to turn from me. I'm going to place it in the heart of a person who I know is going to make mistakes and probably not do the things he or she's supposed to do on a regular basis. And we ask this question why would the Lord, the creator of the universe, take the biggest most impressive treasure in the history of the world, the greatest treasure in the universe, and place it within our weak, sinful hearts. We'll look at the second part of verse 7 again. He gives us the answer. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Why? To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. Here's truth number two. God places his treasure in our lives to demonstrate his great power. God says, I know you're weak. I know you're sinful. I know you're going to make mistakes, but I'm going to give you this treasure and I'm going to use your weak life and your sinful heart to bring honor and glory to myself. Why? So I can demonstrate for you my great power. I did some research this week on Fort Knox. I was kind of interested. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you, you can say one word that comes to your mind when I say Fort Knox. What is it? Oh, gold. There it is. Treasure. There it is again, right? The box full of gold coins. I did some research on Fort Knox, which is just up in Kentucky, not that far from here. In Fort Knox today, it's estimated, I'm going to tell you a minute why it's estimated, there are 4,578 metric tons of gold. That's a lot of gold—over two billion, of two hundred billion dollars worth, they say. And I started reading about how they protect that treasure. The 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 vault where all the gold sits is made of granite. It's protected by a blast-proof door that weighs twenty-two tons. I laughed at that because t- why twenty-two? I mean, ten is enough, isn't it? I mean, do we really need twenty? I and once you get to eleven or twelve tons, does it really matter at that point, right? <laughs> there's a 22-ton door protecting this place. The depository is protected, I'm going to read it, by layers of physical security, alarms, video cameras, microphones, minefields, barbed razor wire, electric fences, heavily armed guards, and the army units based at Fort Knox. It's inside of an army barracks, you understand that, right? I thought of all the cush jobs in the world, being the guard at Fort Knox has got to be at the top of this. It's got to have to do anything. You're not getting into Fort Knox, right? You're not getting the gold. I and mean, he could just kind of relax and to fall asleep on the job. You're not getting into the place where the gold's stored. So, for security reasons, listen to this no visitors are allowed inside the depository grounds. This policy has been enforced ever since the vault was opened in 1936. So, nobody goes in there. The only exception was an inspection by members of Congress in 1974. Now this is the treasure of the earth, folks. I mean, you think about treasure, you think about Fort Knox. And you think about all that our government does to protect this incredible monetary treasure. And then I see the treasure that the Lord has given us. And I see He stores it in weak vessels. Why, Lord? Why? Because he wants to demonstrate his power in our lives by placing the greatest treasure in the universe in weak, frail, fragile, breakable vessels. And here's what Christ says. I'm going to give you this treasure. It's free, by the way. I'm going to offer you this hope. I'm going to offer you this peace, and I'm going to give you the power... So that as you live your life, you can demonstrate that treasure and that glory to all those around. I just imagine if I took my 1996 Ford Ranger, right? And all of its tricked out ride and its sweetness and its beauty and its paint job. And I loaded the back of it full of gold coins, right? And I drove that thing through downtown Atlanta. Most people that saw that truck full of gold coins would think, I want some of that, right? Where'd they got to get the gold? I want to go get some of the gold. And if I was driving through downtown Atlanta with all that gold, I would have to protect it, wouldn't I? Why? Because as I drove through, it would be obvious to all those that noticed the treasure that I possessed. You get that, right? Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. We've been given a far greater treasure in Christ. Is it evident to all those that see us that He's living in our hearts? Are we demonstrating that treasure to the world? You know, the Lord has given you this treasure, you need to reflect it in your life. Did you know your marriage ought to be a reflection of the treasures of the Lord in your heart? Did you know that? The Bible is clear in Ephesians 6. Your marriage is a reflection of Christ and His church. If you live your life in such a way within your marriage to glorify the Lord, other people are going to see your treasure. And you know what they're going to say? I wish I had some of that. Man, I wish I had the peace that they have in their marriage. I wish I had the the love that they have in, in their marriage. See, the Lord says, I've given you this treasure. You need to reflect it. Are you reflecting it at home with your spouse? Are you reflecting it at work? Do people see the treasure within your life every single moment of every single day? Do they look at your life and think, I want some of that treasure. That's what I desire in my life. See, the Lord says, I've given you this treasure and I've given it to you in a jar of clay to demonstrate to you that I'm all-powerful, that I'm still in control. And even though you're weak and you fail, I can still accomplish great things through you. You say, okay, I get that. So he's given me this treasure. It's, It's the greatest treasure in the universe. Right? It's in a weak. I don't know why he gave it to me necessarily, but he loves me enough to do that. I get that. I'm weak. I'm frail. He's demonstrating his power through me by allowing me to spread the glory of the Lord to anybody that listens. But you say I, I get all that. But what does that actually mean for me? Here's what it means. It means as an individual follower of Jesus Christ. It means as a, as a church body. It means that the Lord has... Watch this now. This is important. He's given us the power to accomplish everything He's called us to accomplish. You understand that? You don't have to be afraid that He's not going to work. You don't have to be afraid or discouraged or lose heart. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, have the power of the Lord to accomplish the things He calls us to accomplish. That means when we talk about going to the nations and reaching people for Christ, we don't have to be afraid of that because Christ has given us the power to do it. When we start talking, and we're going through very soon, we're already praying through this, when we start talking about adopting an unreached people group somewhere in the world and begin to send teams to begin to witness to people that have never heard the name of Jesus, you don't have to be afraid of that. Why? Because that's what Christ has called us to do. That's who He's called us to be and He's given us the power to accomplish it. He's given us the strength to accomplish it. He's given us His glory and His treasure so that all the world will know Him. Now let's finish up this morning. We're running low on time. Look at verse 8. So we've got this treasure. It's placed in jars of clay. It's placed in jars of clay to recognize His power and His glory in our life. And so now verses 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, verse 9, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. In other words, we always remember the crucifixion and the death of Christ so that through that we can reveal life to others. Verse 11, For we who are alive are always being given over death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So we've been given this treasure. We've been given this treasure in jars of clay in our earthly bodies that are weak. We've been given this treasure in our weak bodies to demonstrate God's power to the world. And our point number three, this is important, because we have God's power within us, we will be victorious. Now I don't know the stories of all the people that have come into this sanctuary this morning that are on campus, whether they're at the 8.30 service or here, they'll be in the 11 o'clock service or they're in Sunday school or downstairs, but I can promise you one thing. With this many people in the church, there are people that are struggling with something. There are people that are struggling on all kinds of different levels. And and it's very easy, if we're not careful, to wonder if the Lord can still work. To wonder if prayer really is effective. To wonder if the Lord is going to do great things in our life. I just want you to understand truth this morning. Because of who Christ is living within our hearts, because of his power, we will be victorious. You may be pressed, but you're not going to be crushed. You may be perplexed, but you shouldn't be in despair. You may be persecuted. I think about the believers all over the world, but you will not be abandoned You will be struck down, but you will not be destroyed. I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in those words. I find great comfort in understanding that no matter where we are, that no matter the hardships we face, there is strength in the Lord. So I want to finish just with this very simple thought. How much... Are you living as if you have the power of Christ in your life? How much are you living as if you carry the treasure of the universe in your soul? Do other people see you and want some of that treasure? Do other people see you and want some of that hope and some of that joy and some of that peace? Are you trying to find strength and comfort and joy within your own life? Or are you seeking it where it can only be found by seeking Christ and following Him in all things? What are you doing with your treasure? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for, again, the clear teaching of Your Word. We thank You, Father, for uh, the understanding of treasure, Father, for the understanding of Your power. And for the the realization for the first time ever for some of us, Lord, that because of that power we can accomplish things for you. We're not defeated. We're going to be victorious, Lord. We're going to be victorious. Help us to live with our hearts what we understand with our minds. Father, we want to serve you. We want to know you. We want to do great things because of you. You use us for your honor and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. The praise team is going to sing and lead us during our time of invitation. I want to invite you, as I always do, if you want to come and and pray at the altar or accept Christ or join the church, this is your time now to respond. But I want to put out just kind of a special plea this morning in light of what we talked about. If you feel led, I know we've already done this in in kind of a quiet moment earlier in the service, but if you feel led right now to pray for the persecuted church, I want you to come to the altar and do that right now. You say, I've already prayed for them once today. It's okay to pray twice for them. So we're going to open up the altar right now for you to pray, for you to sing, for you to worship. You respond as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you.